Well, for our 2020 relationship series, we are taking our inspiration uh, from a book called Keep Your Love On from Danny Silk. Now, I gotta, I gotta tell you, you know, some, some books should come with a warning. Somebody said that about my wife Andy's book one time. She said, Andy's book, she is free needs a warning that you shouldn't wear it. She was getting her nails done when she was reading it. She's sobbing. She's like, this needs a disclaimer. Okay, this book, this book might just mess you up in all the right ways. You know, when you're reading a book, like we read it last year, Andy and I, and there comes a certain point where you've highlighted or underlined so much of the book that it's not a highlight anymore. You're just coloring in, right? You know what I'm saying? That was me with this book, you know, and it's awkward because, you know, maybe we're at different places and I just keep going, wow, <gasps> you know, all of this. And Andy's like, what? Tell me, you know, but the truth is this book really impacted us. And actually, specifically, the part of the book that I'm speaking from today the title of this message is something that has not only impacted me, but it stayed in my vocabulary. It's continued. It was a new thought for me that has stayed in our language and more importantly, in our way of thinking about relationships. And that is the idea that you and I are called to be powerful people. Everybody say, powerful people. <clears throat> That's the idea that I'm speaking to today. We're called to be powerful people. And as we prepared this message. You know, we oftentimes collaborate in our writing of these messages across the church. And one of the statements uh, that, the, that I really appreciated, kind of setting up the big idea of today is this, is that healthy, lasting relationships can only be built between two people who choose one another, that's a key idea, and take full responsibility for themselves. That's where we're going today. In, in some ways, this is a boiled down version of what it means to be powerful people in our relationships. We choose one another and we take full responsibility for ourselves. So really this message in some way, you know, I'm gonna teach today. This is gonna be practical today. Does that sound good? Not just gonna inspire us, but I believe you know, from these principles, equip us to be powerful people in our relationships. One of the things I wanna get into is the difference, the stark contrast between, we're gonna look at what does it look like to be a powerless person in the way we approach our relationship? What does it look like to be a powerful person? And it might not be what you're thinking. When I say powerful, I think we conjure up all kinds of misconceptions that actually are not powerful at all. And also how to build our relationships in a way where they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal, we know this, but it's good to remind ourselves, quality, healthy, God-glorifying relationships, they do not happen by accident. You don't just stumble into them. They're built through hard work. They're built through the power of the Holy Spirit and our partnership to make strong choices, sometimes to do hard things, sometimes to have hard conversations with health and strength in mind, amen? Think about Andy and I and our marriage all of these years later. And I, you know, some of you have heard the story, the first time we kissed and I... How awkward that moment was when I, I basically made an announcement, if you haven't heard the story. For whatever reason, I got very nervous. I stuttered, which I don't typically do, and blurted out right before kissing her. I said, I, 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 I'd like to kiss you, and then kissed her, which is like... So I'm telling you, now our relationship today is not perfect, but it is healthy, and it's, thank God, it's come a long way, <laughs> right? Through conflict, healthy conflict, through both of us growing to be mature, 
Christ-centered people in our relationships and frankly, powerful people. We wouldn't be where we are today. Now, some of, some of my illustrations along the way might draw on marriage or family life, but here's what I know. These principles of being a powerful person are gonna to apply to whatever relationship you're thinking about. Maybe you're thinking about your parents as a son or a daughter. Maybe you're thinking about siblings. Maybe it's co-workers. Maybe it's your neighbour. Maybe this is about friendship or dating for you, whatever. The same principles apply in every relationship that we have. One of the foundations I need to get to before we start unpacking this is that healthy relationships are built on the premise, I choose you. I choose you. That's the premise, the foundation of every healthy relationship. Relationship. I wanna show you an example in Scripture. It's from John 15. Jesus said this. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. He's gonna redefine the relationship. Watch this. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's, what, uh, doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Now listen to this. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And of course that command is powered what came before, which is that God chose us. God chose relationship with us. God empowers and transforms us. And out of that, we're able to love with the love of God, but it's important that Jesus says, hey, let's be clear, I choose you. He went first and in return, we choose Him on this secure foundation that God, who doesn't change His mind, God, who it was and is and is to come, has first chosen us. In the book, Keep Your Love On, that I referenced earlier, there's a couple of quotes I wanna share. Danny says this, he says, I choose you. This is the foundation of true lasting relationships. It's the foundation of God's relationship with you. And he quotes the scripture we just read. Jesus declared to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus chose you in the most difficult of circumstances. He chose you while you were in sin, while you were his enemy. His side of the relationship with you does not depend on your choice, but entirely on his choice. He's not waiting, in other words, church. He's not waiting to see what you decide. He's already chosen. The question is whether or not you will learn to build your relationship with Him and others upon the foundation of your choice. A healthy, lasting relationship can only be built between two people who choose one another and take full responsibility for that choice. Powerful people take responsibility for their lives and their choices. Powerful people choose who they wanna be with, what they're going to pursue in life and how they're going to go after it. It's choice. If you've ever been to a, you know, a traditional wedding, you know, it's, there's a choice moment, right? Before we get to all the different pronouncements and things, there's a moment where typically, first the, the minister will turn to the husband and say, do you, Paul, take this woman, Andy, to be your lawfully wedded wife? Choice, I do. Will you? I will. <laughs> and then he turns to her. Do you take, I do, and I will. There's, there's a choice, right? But I think, although we, we've made a beautiful ceremony of that moment, really that should encapsulate the foundation of all of our relationships, right? That all of our relationships in God can be built on I do and I will. 
Andy and I were driving somewhere just before Christmas and this conversation came up about relationships in our lives and, and that, that being mindful, being thoughtful, being intentional was really the essence of the conversation. We're blessed with great people in our lives. But the question we were pondering was, are we being intentional? Are we choosing? And are we following through on our choices? When it comes to, hey, people that we love and believe in and that we maybe, maybe we really wanna pour into them, disciple them, invest in them. Who are those people? And are we being intentional about that? Our friends, who are the people, you know, where there's that mutuality and that synergy and laughter and trust and who are those people? And who are our mentors in this season? Who are we supposed to be learning from? You know, who are we supposed to be gleaning from? And are we being intentional in pursuing those relationships? You know, the, the truth is childhood, childhood does not prepare most of us for being powerful people. The prevailing culture of our day, how people think about parenting in the world, but oftentimes it just seeps right into the church, is we don't train children to be powerful people. Oftentimes, traditional parenting, command and control parenting, ultimately, unconsciously trains a child that other people make my choices for me. And actually, other people can tell me what to feel, how I should feel. And if you follow that through and you don't at some point start to empower children with choice, with freedom, with being able to advocate for themselves, then actually, you know, somebody put it this way. They said that parenting is actually raising adults, not raising children. We're trying to train someone to be an adult, not to be a child, amen? But that's why so many of us find ourselves sometimes in adulthood and we're gonna get to blaming in a minute. I'm not for a minute suggesting let's blame our upbringing. No, we gotta take responsibility, we'll get there. But let's just recognise that sometimes the very model or mould of family life and parenting trains people actually to be powerless instead of powerful. I wanna, I wanna unpack what it means to be powerless for a minute. If you're taking notes, here are some qualities of powerless People. Maybe you're going to identify with some of these things. No condemnation, but it's good to see it. If it's there, and I almost guarantee that it is somewhere lurking, here are some qualities of powerless people. Number one, powerless people often use powerless language. That's the first one. One of the fastest ways to spot somebody or catch yourself, frankly, being powerless is in the words that come out of your mouth. When we live from a place of powerlessness, or we have a belief about ourselves that we are powerless, which is the same thing, ultimately in the fruit in your life. So we use phrases like, I can't a lot, or I have to. There's, there are blockages and lids and obligations in our language, or we'll say it's too hard, or, or when we're faced with a challenge, our response is, well, I'll try. I think of Yoda, right? There is no try, only do, right? <laughs> it's the difference between powerless approaching to our living and a powerful approach to our living. You know, I also think when we find ourselves in our language a lot saying, I should, I should, I shouldn't. It's another indicator that we've taken on kind of powerless thinking. In fact, I had Dawn Sadler uh, from our downtown Manhattan community. She, she coached me maybe a year ago. She's a business coach. And I said to her, coach me around a project I was interested in doing. And her reflection to me, I'd felt stuck with this thing for a couple of years. And she said, you know what I notice you say, should a lot when you talk about it. I was like, oh, that's an interesting reflection. Maybe that's why I'm stuck, right? Because I'm using powerless thinking. I, I have Finley's permission to share this story, but as I think about 
as I think about learning to be a powerful person, you know, last year we took a sabbatical as a family, one of the best decisions we ever made, just to pour into marriage and family and our kids. And that extended time together, you know, naturally just brings in a healthy way things to the surface, right? We notice we're around each other more. We notice things, more opportunities to grow together. And, and Andy had observed something that, that Finley had been doing, which is, you know, she, she is, like she loves people. She wants everything to be okay. She wants people to be okay. And out of that pure motive though, what she'd stepped into was, you know, if something would go wrong, somebody else did something wrong. If Andy and I would correct one of the kids or all of the kids about something, Finley would always say, I'm sorry, even if she had nothing to do with it. Even if it was the boys, right? Which is sometimes the way, right boys? If it was the boys were doing something, then Finley, Finley would say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, and, and we started to notice this is almost a reflexive thing. Like I, it must be, it must be me, it must be my fault. And we'd be in a situation where we're like, what should we do today? And everybody would speak up and Finley would just go along with it. It's like, oh, that's okay, that's fine. And we would have to dig a little bit. Babe, what do you wanna do today? Well, I mean, I, and she almost felt bad to say what she wanted to do or how she felt about a situation. She'd stuff that down to make sure everyone else was okay. And Andy, just like a beautiful loving mom, said to her, babe, you're a powerful person. We wanna hear from you. Your opinion matters. How are you doing? Express yourself, express your feeling. The language we've been using lately is you gotta advocate for yourself, right? And I gotta say credit to you, Finley. She has just, it's like night and day different as she has just stepped into all that she already was, humble and loving and caring, but that powerful woman is rising up in her. Powerless language is a sign of powerless people. Second thing is powerless people are driven by anxiety and fear. Anxiety and fear is often the kind of driving motive of their life. You could say it this way, life is scary when we believe that most things and most people are more powerful than us, which is ultimately the view of the world when we buy into this idea that I'm a powerless person, well then life becomes scary because we have all of these undealt with feelings loss and pain, death, abandonment. Uh, and what ends up happening is the culture of our relationships becomes manipulation and control. You know, when uh, Andy and I were first married, our upbringings were very different. And I've talked about this in the past, but suffice to say, you know, her family was like all in conflict. And then everybody loved each other five minutes later. And my family was much more like black belt conflict avoidance, right? And so we came together and it's like, we were so different. And I remember distinctly one argument where Andy raised her voice, which was like, for me, like, I, you know, like, what do I do? Like a deer in the headlights. And I, I said to her, and I felt very noble saying to uh, this to her, you know, hi, and mighty. I said, I'll never fight with you. So you can imagine how that went. Like for a person that's comfortable with conflict, she's like, oh, we'll see about that right now. Uh, <laughs> And of course, what's so funny about it, looking back is, why did I even think that was healthy? Noble, I'll never fight with you. It's like, does any good relationship become strong without some Christ-centered healthy conflict? Of course not. And I had to grow and I had to change. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the New Living says, God, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation calls it a sound mind. So we don't have to live out of fear and timidity. That's not the spirit that God has given us. But you know, if we live powerless, our relationships become driven by anxiety and fear. Number three is our approach to, we approach our relationships as consumers. 
What are we going to get out of this? That every one of our relationships ultimately becomes about what I can take, what I can receive, what you can do for me if I live as a powerless person. See, if we look to others to make us happy, look to others to make me feel important, look to others to you know, bring me joy, make me content, meet my needs, then we're living as a powerless person, not a powerful person. Philippians 2 Verses three to four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What's the way of Christ? It says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Marriage, healthy marriage kind of works the same way. It's like a mutual preferring of the other, looking to the needs of others. So we, we ought not, if we find ourselves approaching our relationships. We've got to be honest with ourselves, right? Because sometimes it's unconscious at first. It's like, bring that to the surface. Am I thinking and living like a consumer here? Number four is powerless people place blame instead of taking responsibility. They place blame instead of taking responsibility. So for example, if we find ourselves unhappy with something about our life, or frankly, everything about our life, what does our mind run to? Because a powerless person in that moment, unhappy, looks for someone to blame. It's my boss. It's my parents. It's my coworkers. It's the system. It's, you know, because we can make it as big as we want. Society today, like that can be the, the catch all. Blame everybody. Blame the world. It's our ex. It's our spouse. It's whatever. But here's the thing. Every time we go down that path, and that, look, I'm not suggesting for a moment that those people are faultless, that they, that they haven't been, re, there hasn't been real harm done. But if we approach our relationships with that kind of powerlessness, what we do is instead of taking responsibility, we'll get to that in a minute, we focus all of our energy on assigning blame. And actually, if you think about it, if you assign blame somewhere else, then you're kind of off the hook, right? I mean, it's not my fault. It's my boss who holds me back. It's my spouse who doesn't meet my needs. It's my parents who broke me because they didn't bring me up right. And then ultimately, you give all your power away. You give your power to them. I gotta take responsibility for changing my own life. Like Proverbs 4.23 that says, keep your heart, guard your heart, another translation says, with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. You know what that suggests to me? My heart, keeping it, guarding it, keeping it healthy is my responsibility. And it's interesting that the Bible also says, out of it spring the issues of life. Another translation says, out of it, out of the condition, the health or lack of health of my heart flow all the issues of life. In other words, the responsibility sits right here. Doesn't mean that there's not things to forgive and heal and real wounds that were hard. But if I want to be better, if I want to get better, the right response is not looking to assign blame. The right response is, how can I be responsible to walk this out in health? Number five, powerless people create anxiety-driven environments. Out of their own kind of spirit of fear, everybody around them starts to tread on eggshells, read between the lines, kind of cagey in our, phrase, our, 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 our language. And, and ultimately the relationship becomes about self-protection instead of about connection and intimacy. Dan, Danny in the book said, powerless people use various tactics. Listen to all these different tactics, such as getting upset, withdrawing, nagging, 
ridiculing, pouting, crying, getting angry, or to pressure, manipulate and punish one another. A relational bond built on mutual control simply can't produce anything remotely like safety, love, or trust. It can only produce more fear, pain, distrust, punishment, and misery. By the way, I'll just do this really quickly. Danny in the book speaks to three roles we end up filling. He calls it a triangulation. In unhealthy, powerless relationships, we go to one of three roles, the victim, the bad guy, or the rescuer. The victim, the bad guy, the rescuer. The victim is looking for a rescuer, someone to make us feel safe and happy. And funnily enough, I even discovered in reading the book, I do that in some areas of my life. I realized, you know, in some areas I, don't, I wouldn't take on the victim. But when I, I realized when I was reading this, it's like, that's how I think about my schedule. I'm the victim of my schedule. I'm the victim of my responsibilities. And actually, I sat with another pastor friend from New York, Brad, uh, at the Dream Center. And he said, I've come to the conclusion I am radically in charge of my own schedule. I needed that word, right? I was becoming the victim. But we also can be the bad guy, or you could call it the bully. It's about control and intimidation. Ultimately, it's self-protection by a different name, but to get other people to meet our needs by force. But the third one's more subtle. We see easily the kind of the victim bully or victim bad guy dynamic, but what about the rescuer? This is where I'm more inclined to go when I'm feeling powerless because the, the rescuer takes responsibility for somebody else's life, somebody else's problems, somebody else's feelings, and they feel powerful by stepping into that space. We, we had a conversation with some of the staff not long ago, and we we're talking about, you know, each of us has different struggles. And, the, and the, the way we phrased it was like, what hill do you die on? We're talking about temptations or struggles. And, and I was reflecting on myself, and I sort of said out loud, I was like, I wonder what hill I die on, quick as anything. Andy says, other people's hills. <laughs> like only a wife can see my blind spot. She's like, you die on everybody else's hill. And it's true, and it's, it might sound noble. Oh, that's so, and actually, it's totally unhealthy. If I'm not careful, go far enough down that path, the rescuer, the Messiah complex, trying to feel important by taking responsibility for things and actually robbing people sometimes unintentionally of the opportunity to take responsibility for themselves. So what do I need to be instead? I need to be a powerful person. I'm gonna, I wanna break down what it means to be powerful people. Number one, if you're taking notes, powerful people, they don't try to control other people. This is huge. They choose to control themselves. They choose to control themselves. This is a, you could preach a whole message on this one point. How much of our life, our energy, our time and emotion do we waste on trying to control other people, their choices, instead of choosing to control ourselves? Interestingly, Paul in one of the epistles writes this, this kind of an overview. He's like instructing young men and older men, young women and older women. And as I was Focused on this this morning, I was reminded of the fact that years ago, I noticed that self-control is the only thing on all four lists. Whether you're a young man, an older man, a young woman, an older woman, he gives really custom advice to these different groups and demographics, but the thread through them all is self-control. See, a controlling, dominating person is the opposite of being a powerful person. That's why I said at the beginning, maybe when I talk about being a powerful person, you're gonna have something in mind that's actually quite the opposite. It's not this you know, um, like kind of bulldoze everybody, take control of the room, get their way at any cost kind of a person that's powerful at all. Actually, that really is a powerless person. 
Joshua 24, 15 is a beautiful example of choosing to control ourselves instead of controlling others. Even in something really important, Joshua is leading the nation of Israel and they're being unfaithful to God. But rather than think that being a powerful leader was to tell everybody what to do, this is what he does. He says, if, seeming the, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now that's a powerful person right there. <laughs> Surrounded by, and it may be in some ways as a leader, feeling some responsibility for, certainly compassion for the people that you're leading. And yet he had a very clear boundary here. You choose, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He's really challenging them not to waver because they'd gotten into compromise and mediocrity. And, but he said, as for me and my house, that's what he had responsibility for. We will serve the Lord. That's the language of powerful people. They don't try to control other people. They choose to control themselves. And secondly, they set the standard of how they wanna be treated by the way they treat others. This is so good. They set the standard of how they wanna be treated by the way that they treat others. So in other words, powerful people don't try and force people to respect them. They create a culture of respect around them by modeling that respect for others. They create a culture of respect. It's true of everything. In fact, the scripture says it this way in Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Sometimes they call this the golden rule. <laughs> Do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. There's something about being a powerful person that requires you and I to model to others the things that we, in other words, we're not gonna live by a double standard. Like, hey, treat me with honour while I dishonour you. Walk with integrity while my life is full of double standards. No, we're gonna, we're gonna live the very thing that we are believing to reap in return. It's what powerful people do. Number three is they refuse to become victims of their environment or the choices of others. They refuse. They're not gonna become the victims. That doesn't mean that they're not impacted by those things, hurt by those things. They might grieve things that happen around them, but they will not become the victim of those things, either their environment or the choices of others. One way you could say this to say is that they're gonna influence their environment rather than their environment influencing them. You know, Andy, uh, Andy had a relationship with a, a team member uh, years ago that had really become manipulative toward, toward Andy. And the circumstance of it doesn't really matter. The person's not with us anymore. But I remember, she reminded me as I was talking about this message yesterday with her, she said, do you remember that time that you said to me, babe, you're the sheriff, but you've handed your badge over to them. Take your power back. <laughs> And what I was talking about was not that she was the lead pastor. What I was talking about was that she had become, she had allowed herself to feel powerless in a situation. And she needed to say, because every one of us, regardless of your title or the nature of a relationship, every one of us are deputized with the authority of God to make the Joshua kind of choice and say, well, as for me and my house, here's what we're gonna do. We ought not to be just handing our authority, handing our choices, handing how we feel about life over to others like we're the victims of their choices, the victims of our environment. We're not. We can take our power back, amen? Given to us in God, you are a powerful person. Number four is they require other people to be powerful around them. 
It's actually one of the things that's annoying about powerful people. When you're in a place of wallowing in your powerlessness and, you know, sort of soaking it in and feeling bad and, you know, kind of melancholy and, you know, we can find ourselves enjoying that space and you get around a powerful person, it's kind of annoying if we're honest because, you know, by their choices, like it becomes clear to those around them that, that they're gonna model respect and they're gonna model responsibility. They're gonna love well and they're gonna make powerful choices. They require people around them to be powerful too. Now that's not, they don't, they're not projecting their power like a bully or as a rescuer. He, he, I, I like how Danny put it in the book. He said, when powerful people encounter a powerless person, they are not tempted to dive into an unhealthy triangulation dynamic. Remember the victim, the bad guy, the rescuer, that's not, that's not where they go. It says they hear a victim's sub story and ask, so what are you gonna do about that? What have you tried? What else could you try? <laughs> do you see how different that feels right away than being the bully or being the rescuer or allowing that victim mindset? He said, these questions confront powerless people with their responsibility and their capacity. It's both, right? Their responsibility and their capacity to make choices and control themselves. After failing to get a powerful person to offer them any more options, powerless people will either change in order to start living powerfully or find someone else to dump on, right? <laughs> someone who will gladly jump in like a victim with me or gladly tell me what to do like a bully would or a bad guy or gladly come to my rescue as the rescuer instead of empowering me and reminding me I am more than a conqueror. Christ in me, the hope of glory, amen? Reminding me that that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and working in me. I need powerful people to call out the powerful person in me. Let, give me a few, uh, let me give you a few more. What powerful people do. Number five, they take responsibility for their decisions and the consequences of those decisions. Here's the hard part. Even mistakes and failures. That's what powerful people do. And so they're gonna own it if they need to apologize. They're not gonna try and pass the buck if something doesn't go well. They're gonna take responsibility. They're gonna respond and not react to today. And they're gonna create their tomorrow through taking responsibility. I gotta take responsibility for the decisions that I made. Even if I made them with good intentions or with bad information, if I'm gonna be a powerful person, that means I own it. I own the choice that I made. I own how it worked out and I walk it out from there. Number six, Powerful people use powerful language, kind of the opposite of where we started, right? Powerful language, I will, I do. When powerful people say yes, guess, guess what they mean? It wasn't a trick question. When powerful people, I'll give you another chance. When powerful people say no, what do you think they mean? Right, right? When we live as powerless people, it's all reading between the lines. It's all like all subtle body language. And like, what do they mean when they said, no, 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 powerful people, their yes is yes, their no is no. They say, my choice is to whatever. That's what powerful people do. Number seven, two more. They can be who they say they are on a consistent basis. This is huge. Powerful people can be who they say they are on a consistent basis. That's what integrity looks like. In fact, Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are des destroyed by their duplicity. Two-faced, not consistent, not who they say they are. This is one of my favourite parts about learning to become a powerful person, by the way, is there's a knock-on effect, is that 
When I learn that I have permission, in fact, I have responsibility to be me, then as a powerful person, I call out everyone around them to be them. (laughs) If I get to be me, imperfect, but growing in God and learning to walk as a son of the King, then you get to be you, a daughter, a son of the King as well. Powerful people call out the powerful person in others. Last one is powerful people create a safe place to know and be known intimately. When we build safe relationships between powerful people, it's a place where we can let our guard down because we're not consumers and we're not bad guys and victims and no, we're all calling out the greatness in each other. Powerful people create an environment of mutual respect, of honour, and we preserve that connection. I'm gonna talk a lot in this series about connection, about communicating to connect, love in order to connect. That's what powerful people do, which is why Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, so powerful because it describes what love looks like, that it's patient and it's kind, it doesn't envy or boast, it's not proud. See, those are all the hallmarks of powerless people looking for what they can get or take from relationships, no. Christ's love, it doesn't dishonour others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered and on and on it goes. This is just, if, if this feels foreign to you today, unfamiliar, new, challenging, let me offer you some encouragement. Many years ago when Andy and I were just uh, engaged, I broke my leg, that's not the encouragement. Ah, <laughs> I broke my leg in a children's playground, long story. Ah. Unfortunately, it was during a snowboarding trip. I wish the story was I broke my leg snowboarding, but it was while we took a break in a children's playground that many four-year-olds had survived, but not me. Uh, I broke both bones in two places, spiral fractures, terrible thing, right? So my leg was in a cast for what felt like forever. And when they took it off, my leg looked so weird. It was like, it was awkward. I didn't wear shorts for like forever. Um, I already have pasty white legs, but the problem was one of them was like really skinny like a lot skinnier than the other leg, like awkward, right? And you know why that is? They call it atrophy. Atrophy is what muscles do when we don't use them. Here's my encouragement for you. I'm gonna pray. My encouragement for you is if this feels unfamiliar, if this feels like the skinny leg for you, let me just tell you this. Yeah, you know, I went to the gym a little bit. Honestly, it was just walking. It was just doing my everyday life. It was just using that muscle that in a matter of months had it come back to a place of strength. It was the disuse that had caused it to atrophy. So my encouragement to you, and this is what I'm gonna pray over you now, is that I am believing that every one of us in this room recognizing this is a muscle I need to work on will make the simple determination throughout the course of this series I'm gonna practice my mindfulness of when I'm allowing myself to become a powerless person in my words, in my thoughts, in my choices, in my view of the world. And I am gonna cultivate, I am gonna exercise the muscle of being a powerful person created in the image of a powerful God, amen? So I'm gonna have every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna pray in just a moment someone's gonna come and extend an invitation to us to make the most powerful choice that you can make in life, which is to give your life to Jesus, the one who created you and who knows you. But before I do that, I just wanna pray over each of us this ongoing process of learning to walk as powerful people. Father, 
for every person here today who recognizes through this message, like I do, how challenged I was, how much I underlined and highlighted and saw in myself those traits, which to me at the time felt natural or invisible or justified even when I stepped into a victim or rescuer mindset. So when I plowed over the top of people like a bad guy, when I let out of my mouth these words of powerlessness, when in fact, we're more than conquerors. God, I pray for every person here. Help us identify the lies that we have believed. Help us identify the influences that we have allowed that have created a sense of powerlessness in us. God, help us by the power of the Holy Spirit and by community and accountability to break agreement with things that are not true and to ask the Holy Spirit. God, I ask the Holy Spirit right now, a spirit of truth. You know, Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would come and lead us into all truth. So that's what I pray over every person here. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Show us where we are living far below the powerful life that you've called us to live. And God, call us out of that place that we could live from a place of Christ-centered, Holy Spirit empowered strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.